Welcome to Conversations with Kim. This podcast is about awakening the human spirit, seeing beyond this moment, and exploring alternative paradigms for how we work, lead, and live. I invite you to sit back, exhale, and enjoy the flow. In this episode, we welcome back Marilyn Poitras to the podcast. Marilyn was a guest on the podcast previously, and if you haven't listened already, I encourage you to tune in. It's a wonderful episode. Again, Marilyn shares her traditional knowledge and experience as a Harvard Law School graduate, lawyer, professor, negotiator, and community builder. We invited Marilyn back at the start of 2022 to discuss the role of goals, ritual, and change in our lives. During this episode, she shares her perspective on the balance between striving and being while playing with the concept of human evolution and the reality of incremental change. We're going to dive right into this episode with a story from Marilyn to kick things off. So I have a funny story. When my Ted and I got married, we got married. Um, we got married in a traditional Cree ceremony out at Wanuskewin, and after the ceremony, we all went back to my home, uh, to where Ted and I live, our home. And um, we had the elders that were there, our families that were there. We had friends. We, it was it wasn't very big, but it was about forty people. And um, there were two elders sitting together and the woman who was sort of hosting on our behalf was a friend of ours, our neighbors. And they just let everyone know, okay, it was September and it was a beautiful day. And they said, all of the food is right out along the garage. We were in our backyard and we had these big tables set up and the food is all in the back there. And there are two bathrooms in the house that you can use one is right on the main floor. And if you go up to the second floor, there's another one. And you can imagine this elder looking over. So she's got long braids and she's got a skirt on and and she's listening and she's talking to this another lodge keeper and he's got a ponytail and they're just watching all of this. And she said, remember when we used to pee outside and eat in the kitchen? (sighs) All this, they call this evolution. They call that we we used to we used to pride ourselves on 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 those things. And then I so it was this big joke, and everybody was talking about it. So I asked her about change and evolution, and she said, "We kid ourselves about the evolution part. It's just the change. It's not that now. It's this. It's not that now. It's this." And we judge whether is that better or is it worse? And, you know, you'll hear the good old days. What are the good old days? And things are so much better and our kids have it so much easier. And, and oh, our kids have it so hard now. And it didn't used to be this hard right. and the drugs weren't this harsh. And the and so it, is it better? Is it not? We could have a whole morning conversation about whether that's what we're doing but but I do think that is what we're going for that growing building better module of what we're capable of I think okay what I like about what you're saying is it ties into the so human condition that in the future there's always something better than there is now so true 
So true. Okay. So I struggled with this. I've been listening to a lot of Eckhart Tolle and, you know, he never says plan and set your goals and, you know, there's a secret and it's, if you can see it, you can have it and believe it. And, um, and so he's like, be here right now. What's here right now. And the whole presence movement and the whole Buddhist foundation of appreciating where you are and what you have in the moment that you have. And, and so how do we fit those? Things? And I'm not saying they all have to fit together, but, you know, I really notice that when I do appreciate my right now, we're in the middle of whatever we're calling this tiny virus you can't see has changed our global reality. Um, what does, what is that? What am I seeing? I, I'm in a home, I'm in a city that's secure, I I still have access to food, um, I'm not living in the middle of a fire zone, I'm not living in the middle of, you know, there's like, what is my now? What What is my now now, you know, um, which is much different than my Christmas Eve now, which, which I had a meltdown on, right? And so what is my now? What is my now? There was a film in the uh, museum in Quebec. Uh, it was just a little short. And it was a, a First Nations girl on a bus. And she was sitting on the bus and she was looking out the window. And she was saying, now, now, now. And the, the frame would move from what she could see every time she said now. And every time she said now, because she was in a bus, it was now, now, now. And the frame would move and the frame would move and the frame would move. And so when you think about philosophically, when people say that change is constant, nothing is, is the same, then let's fit that into a discussion of what is now. And, and is this dream of goal setting our attempt to control our future? I don't want to live in the middle of a forest fire. I don't want to live it, you know, like, is that, is it a security reach? Is that all we're doing? I, I think so. One of the quotes I wanted to share with this as we talk about this, because the curious paradox is that when I accept myself just as I am, then I can change. That's Carl Rogers. And I, I think you're right, especially what I see in this work is we set these huge goals. Okay, I'm going to get my MBA. And then when I have accomplished that, I will be the person that I want to be. Well, we all know we've done this. Your version of your MBA it might be the law degree. It might be the new car. It might be the new I'll house. get married. I'll have a baby. Yeah. I'll get a different job. I'll change my hair. Right. But it's like until we accept and sit into, and this is kind of one of the things that I find clients have the most frustration with when we talk about change and dissatisfaction, it's so the changes are so incremental and so small and can only be made in your sphere of control from the now. And they evolve, like involve so much acceptance of, okay, right now this is uncomfortable versus pushing away from that. And I, I think it's that, you know, it is a paradox of change because it's like, yes, we want to in the future, create a life that's different than how it feels now. And everybody, ultimately, it seems like regardless of what version of the material item or the success we want, everybody, ultimately, I think we're seeking happiness and fulfillment. So that's kind of what seems to be behind that. 
But it's like, until you have made peace with the present moment, does your ability to actually look at what you're doing in the present moment versus what's going on externally, open the doors for that change. And it's like, I love it because it's so empowering. I'm like, that's right. I like, this is where I told you I was flying high this morning before we, uh, we started recording is, um, if I'm chasing the goal of losing 40 pounds or 50 pounds, that doesn't take me to today. I'm a successful person because I'm doing this habit of working out. I'm doing this thing. And so like, I love it because it's empowering to the individual, but I hate it because I am like naturally an impatient person. And it means that like the process of becoming this person I want to be is going to mm-hmm. take me my whole life. Mm-hmm. Such shit, Marilyn. <laughs> and free. And, and that we, we kind of get, we've kind of bought into that, you know, in our lives about, um, take this pill, take this drug, take this, you know, will you'll lose weight, you'll the pain goes away. And so we, you know, we, I remember, you know, I was a, I, I was a Sesame Street kid. And so and so it's I can remember one of the teachers in the high school saying, we're raising a goddamn generation of Sesame Street kids every 20 minutes, it can change and life can be better. And you can sing and dance your way through everything is like, seem like a good thing to me, you know. Right? <laughs> And so that um, two things that you made poked at in my brain and woke up. And one is that incremental change thing. You know, um, if you're cutting a piece of material and you're out slightly on the line, you don't notice it at the beginning, but as the material starts to be cut, you're way out at the other end, right? If you, if an airplane is flying and it just takes this sort of centimeter off, it's going eventually to be way off its scale. So, so the power of that incremental change is not is I've I know that there's some books about it now, but we don't talk about that. We want big, huge change. I can see right now I want to witness. Right. So so I think that's true. But you said something else. But I think we're all shooting for happiness. And and I just want to take a moment to say whatever that means to you, people are like, it's not happiness. That's superficial. It's joy. Right. No, it's not it's joy. Fulfillment. For fulfillment. You're looking for calm and peace and flow and whatever it is you're looking for, whatever that is, it's a feeling. Yeah. So, so what is the feeling that we're actually after that would, that we think would change our lives? And I think that there's some genius in that. I think that we are looking for a feeling and we've been convinced through a thousand doorways we've been through that it comes from status and retirement plans and nice homes and two cars and a Caribbean cruise and all of those things. I, I, I worked with a guy one time that said, we're talking about the fact that indigenous people in Saskatchewan aren't jailed more than any other, any other group of people. And he says, well, if all you ever hunt for is deer, all you're ever going to find is deer. Like, and, and so you're constantly just looking for Indians to charge, charge with something. You're going to find it. If you're looking for deer, you're going to find it. You're not going to find beaver. You're not going to find, you know, um, moose. You're going to find deer. And so the same thing, if you're looking for, the house and the job and the fashion and the uh, whatever education, 
that's what you're going to find is a house and a job and education. And so if you're looking for happiness, then you've got to go, okay, what, what is my happiness? And you have to feel, which is what I wanted to go back to is what you said, how you feel right now. We don't talk about how we're feeling right now. We're looking for happiness. We have, we're just moving into a space of feeling, right? And predominantly the feeling is fear. We're being inundated with fear right now, but that can only last so long. You can only, you know, I've, I've had a gun in my face. I've broken up fights downtown. I've, I've, I've been in the middle of some things where it can only be scary for a minute. And then you tell yourself, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And, and you can't, you can't keep being injured by the same thing over you build a bit of resistance or a thick skin around that. And so the fear thing can't last forever. So then what do we look for? And I think the movement to this gratitude practice is helpful to say, I actually really do appreciate that I have running water. Really, I do. Please don't take that. My dryer broke down. Oh my God. Right. I am. I, I, I'm, I've people struggling with family issues and then going, I really appreciate my family. And when you hit and stumble around a family issue that stops your life, it's the first thing you think of in the morning and the last thing you think of at the end of the day. Well, you get to into a bunch of fun fights that don't exist in your head too, with family more so than other people. Right. Okay. And so then you're creating more of this unreality. Right. You're not even live again, not living yeah, in the yeah, present yeah. moment. Yep. Yep. So what in nature, what in nature is coming up for me? Oh, I love it when you do this. <laughs> I do. It's a hermit crab. It's, it is, uh, it is, I'll just get a different house. I'll just go, I'll just leave this and I'll go run and get a different, you know, and when you see them in the pet store, these are some nice homes, right? They're fancy. You can get them painted and you get your hermit crab and it's just, and, and I think each time we shift or change or evolve, we kind of let that, that old shell go and go looking for the new one. And so maybe January is our moment to go, okay, I'm, ready to let go of my old shell. I'm ready to let go of the trapeze sort of handle and I'm going to reach for the new thing. And so your level of comfort at being uncomfortable, your ability to experience discomfort, it's a feeling. It plays into that too. So when you talk about that, you know, the the feeling part of it and what you're prepared to go to, that's huge. If you're not prepared to feel those shifts can never be very big and maybe they don't need to be. I love this. I have a story about this in that what I'm, what I've been noticing, and this is the other, I think very important part of change is self-awareness. First, you have to see the incremental moments where the tiny little behaviors, beliefs, thoughts are leading to what you say you don't want. And so that that's like the first part is that awareness but then it's the sitting through the discomfort. So I'll use an example in this, like, because it doesn't feel huge in the moment. It just feels uncomfortable and ridiculous. So one of the things I've noticed is I can get quite blamey and I see it in these like tiny moments of something will be amiss in the house. Um, so for instance, yesterday I said to Dylan, I'm going to take you to school. I had a busy morning, but I'm like, I'm going to take you to school because it's minus whatever. I knew it'd mean a lot to him. 
I was doing it because I can fit this in. I want to prioritize our relationship. I got the dogs in the car. It's dark outside. I'm thinking about all my meetings in the morning. And Dylan said we're going to leave at 6.25. Well, it's 6.35. I'm in the garage with the dogs. And I can hear my thought pattern just like going, going, going. And I'm like, okay, calm down, Kim. It's okay. We got into the car and like so badly, Marilyn, so badly. I wanted to say something to him. I wanted to be right and ride my right horse through town and feel so good. And I was just like, who do you want to be? Do you want it? You're doing the blame thing. Do you want to reinforce the blame? Or do you want to have a nice morning with this man you love to like make this gesture? Or do you want to make him feel bad when you dawdle all the time, Kim? It was like, Dylan has no idea. I was going through all this internal drama. I'm like driving being like fighting with myself, say something. It'll feel great. You'll be so right. And then there's this other part of like, don't. And I chose to turn on the radio and talk about our upcoming wedding. The results I didn't get to be right, but I had a really good ride with Dylan. And it's like, now what I'm understanding about habits is those moments. That's the pattern. It's not something big on like, oh, I see the blame. Now it's going to shift. It's like, oh God, now I have to do something in the moment. And I have to let go of something that I'm getting out of my old pattern. That's the perfect example of my goal this year is to have a better relationship with Dylan. I want to have a meaningful, beautiful relationship and plan a wedding that's meaningful to both of us. It doesn't look like you sitting down with a wedding planner and picking out the nicest dresses and the nicest napkins and the best outdoor location. It looks like you in a car ready to kill him and going, (laughs) wow, where's this coming from? And checking in, I am insecure about 10 minutes. I'm actually getting driven over the edge of my nerve by 10 minutes. We could hit a train. We could go out and there could be a train downtown that would take me 10 minutes. Would I, would I do this? Like that's, that's incremental. That's the thing that's actually going to going to maintain your marriage that's the thing that's actually going to make the wedding turn out but we don't talk about that we talk about location 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 <laughs> the date you know and so it's gotta be something great it's gotta be here right? just like oh no it's those moments where you call yourself on your shit and it's so uncomfortable like when I tell you it I was fighting with myself it wasn't comfortable to sit in but it led to happiness and it's just like shit is it really that easy and that hard at the same time? <laughs> well, I've read about people who get frustrated with their husbands like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've studied. I've, four times. Studied. I've read several reports on there's some data. <laughs> <laughs> Any anecdotal data? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I really have to think past this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm sure, you know, I could probably give you 10 stories about when I see the look on Ted's face. So my husband is poster boy of patience. He literally is the poster boy of patience and it makes me want to kill him. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm not. I wish I could be more patient. (laughs) So that's my lesson every day. If I want to wake up and learn how to be more patient, and that's a goal I have for 2022, I picked a teacher to live with that can put up with any level of whatever it's in it's quite a, it's quite amazing 
but but so then I want to I want to jump from that that into what are the goals that you're setting? What are we setting ourselves up for? Whatever time of year we're setting, and and it could be like you know I like you raising the wedding because that's another time that you like I have a 17 year old that's going to graduate this year. So he's doing major life setting. Cause you have, he's trying to pick, should I just work? Should I go to school? I'd like to travel. Is that ever going to be a possibility? And so, so he's setting those up. He could just finish grade 12 and see what shows up. And, you know, he could be present and do that. You could just be present. When does a dress get bought and when does the location get picked and all of those things. I worked with an elder named Dolly Niapatung, and she's from Yellow Quill First Nation. And when, when I was teaching uh, at the Indigenous Peoples Resource Management Program, I had elders come in and talk about the relationship we have with the land. And um, her great-grandfather was, was responsible. She said we called him Samaganus, so she's Soto, but she has a word that sounds like a police officer. But what his job was for the entire community when they were moving around was to know what to look for all through the spring and summer seasons so that they were okay through the fall and winter seasons when they had to stabilize. Now think about that. Imagine him. And also for Indigenous people, the new year is when the new babies start to be born. So spring is the new year, not an artificial January 1st, right? So so the new year is the first spring. And so let's imagine this, this great-grandfather, and he's doing his goal setting, and he's got his coach with him, and he's in his He's in his, uh, maybe he's having a sweat lodge and he, him and his, him and his spirits and him and his coaches are all coming around. What's my, what, let's set out our next year. This guy has to figure out how people can move. He's got to know if there's babies going to be born and when he's got to know the medicines and the food to pick for how many people he's got to know sort of where they're going to stop and where they're going to start and all the things they're going to need for that. Like it takes goal setting to a whole other level. Right. And, um, and I would imagine that heads of families think like that. And so you can see that some planning, it, it, it's life-saving. You don't kind of go out, um, you know, a family, a family was found at the American Canadian border yesterday, dead from um, trying to cross the border to go into the United States. And they're from another country. And they didn't, they couldn't. It's minus 34 in the middle of a snowstorm. This is not their country. They, they no way they were going to be able to, to, um, to get across there. You, you have to plan. Maria Campbell says, nature's the best teacher. Like you want to learn a lesson. Nature will teach you a lesson. And so, so you have to be prepared for situations coming up and you try to anticipate what those situations are. You know, we have so much privilege. We are not just planning for how will we eat? We're planning for how can we be happy? Mm. That's big. <laughs> That's that, a big deal. Yeah. I, I mean, where my mind's going with this is I, I think it's an interesting place in well, in Western world, specifically with so many people in the middle class era, where if we think about the generations prior, they were in such survival that this, you know, this happiness plan was something that 
it's almost like there wasn't time for it was fleeting and it took away from, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So Carrie Ann Rockmore is an American woman that started um, a boot camp for faculty. And um, I just came to know some of her work this year. And the goal setting that I was doing was in a group that she has. And when she takes you through your goal setting, and so what happened with this group was um, you'd start with what happened over the last year. And, um, and that was really incredible to sit down. And it wasn't just sort of, you know, get your list out from last year. There were suggestions like get your phone out and look at all the photos that you took mm. because you, you forget what last year was. Unless you journaled and you're going to read your journals, you forget what last year actually looked like. And photographs are so great for that. And there's actually studies that show that when you do this sort of photo journaling, you don't lose track of time. You you go, oh, that was a day that this and this happened. That was a day that this and this happened. So using photographs on your phone, and, and I've done this with my students, take a picture every day, and they'd have to submit them at the end of the week. And then when we would talk about their week, they could, re- they could easily go back to what had happened in their week because they had, oh, and just before that, and after I took that photo, I'll tell you what happened, right? So what she did was say, look at it all. And, and you didn't get to jump into goal setting of what you wish your life looked like until you kind of reminded yourself of what it looked like, mm. reminded yourself about what your limiting beliefs are, how many shoulds are on your list. I should lose 40 pounds. I should write my book. I should um, get a different job. I should have a better marriage. I should make more money. And how many of them are, it would be my dream. Yes. Right. And, and so um, that was awesome. It was, I'm not kind of through it. I, I ended up at a point in my goal setting where I realized that some of the decisions I'm making, I'm making out of fear of not being able to do it as well as I want it to be done. And so I'm just not going to go into that space. And, and I'm calling it fear because I don't know what else to call it. Um, that that hold myself back because that I think that might not go in the direction I wish it could go. Okay, I I want to touch on both of these points. I want to get to that fear part, but I also want to talk about in the decisions, the incremental decisions where you're going. But I also want to talk about what you said about that photo journaling because one of the things we often say, and I see this all the time in coaching clients, where I have this unique seat to people trying something incrementally every week and watching them over six months to a year change. And we can't seem for some reason, it's really hard to see the changes in ourselves because we're living it. It's like parents with a child, they don't notice their child growing up, but if somebody else only sees them every six months, it's, Oh my God, you're getting so big. True. That's so true. I I love that. Okay. And so one of the things you do in your coaching though is is every every pause. time you face. Yeah. pause. Let's look at how you showed yeah. up differently in this specific instance on Tuesday than you would have shown up three yeah. months ago. That yeah. is the change. And what I loved you saying about the or what I really resonated with with the photo journal is 
I feel like for me, I can say the same thing. It's like, oh, Kim, you're not changing. You're still doing this. All, all of the negative biases we can have on ourselves. And when I started going back and reading my journals, I made this a practice. I do it almost every quarter. I go back and I read my journals. And sometimes at the start of the year, I'll try to, I mean, not the whole thing. There's some like crazy musings in there, but I try to go back and just generally read. And as I'm doing this, what emerges to me on the page is like, oh my goodness. One, it's like I'm reading a story that sometimes isn't even me because when you're in the moment, you can't always see through the fog. And like, two, I'm like, wow, this person, if I'm being objective, is actually thinking about these issues and slowly getting more positive of an outlook on life and slowly experiencing more joy. Even if I don't necessarily feel joyful in this moment, I've got the data now to prove to myself. And for me, that's been a really big part in sustaining momentum on this never ending life journey of living into a better version of my myself tomorrow than I was today, while accepting myself today. And the moment that you stop yourself and go, I'm freaking out about 10 minutes in the car of us not leaving the house in 10 minutes, you could just write that off and never think about it again. Or you could go, I stopped myself from starting a really crappy day I stopped that and it that's that's powerful you, you know what we I do instead that. this is what we do instead though Marilyn and I was fighting with this too and I see this with so many of my clients yeah but I still fought it mm-hmm. I shouldn't have that thought it's like, well, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're not necessarily in control of our thoughts we change our action and slowly those change and so it's it's that noticing when you undermine your own success because it's not going to feel like a huge slam dunk win. Confetti is not going to fall from the ceiling. because that's, I just... that's exactly. You couldn't have gotten out of your car and walked into your house and looked in the mirror and said, you changed. You did some good things today as you can do that when you get a new jacket or you go out and look at the new car you bought or you, do you know, there's, we're, we're moving out of the conditioning that we have to see and witness what's going on. Um, we're being trained in that in a thousand different ways, you know, and, and I love it. I love that we're, we don't get to trust that, that anymore. And trend, the whole transgender discussion could just explode that you've decided who I am. Well, guess what? I'm going to open the cover of the book you're looking at, and it's not who I am. And so can you do that for yourself? Open that up and do that. I love I love that. And so then when you think about when you review and you can review your checkbook, you can review your journals, you can review your photos, you can like everybody will have their way of looking back to review the parts of their lives that they care about, actually. And so what is your way? So that might be something you do when you're checking what your goals are. What's your way to look back at your life? Well, I'm still married. I have a girlfriend that her mother says, do you still have all your fingers and toes, both arms, both legs? settle down, you know, right. so I still have all my fingers and toes, you know, or I don't, I don't have all my fingers and toes anymore. That's the kind of year I had. And, and being honest, that that might be a reality. And now what does that change? What is the change of that? And so realistically setting up what you're setting yourself up for. I was listening to Ray Dalio, 
I had a colleague who recommended him to me yesterday. And one of the things when he talked about those mistakes, because that's the other thing, I think we have these years where our foundation was freaking rocked. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's like part of life. And we can take that as evidence of our failings, or we can do something else with that. And one of the things he said in a podcast yesterday that I was just briefly listening to is mistakes become lessons, lessons become principles that we're aligning to on those decisions. So I want to jump back into what you're saying about decisions and doing those based on fear versus what you want. Take me where you're, where you're going with that. Cause I think that is an important musing. You know, how, how am I going to set my goals for 2022 or whatever, February or Friday, January 21st, how am I going to set those goals? You're right. I want to be happy. I want to feel good about it. I want my goal to be, I want to have a good day. I I want my meetings to go well. I want to enjoy time with my son. And, um, you know, I have, I have a project I'm working on that I'd like to get a substantial piece of that done. Can I fit all that into today? Can I actually do what I'm setting out to do? Cause I'm famous for, putting a task list in front of me that me and 10 Hercules could not manage. So is it a manageable list, right? I want to talk about another woman. Um, You know, I, I created a class called Law and Happiness when I was working at the law school. And I did it because I was seeing the misery in the students and myself. I saw the misery in myself and I started studying this. And turns out we were all getting miserable together and it was affecting <laughs> law school. And so, so I started to really, really dive into mental health. And, and ironically, it took me to a class and I was like, I need to, I need to create something much healthier than I've created. And I don't know what I'm doing. So it was kind of a goal setting thing. I really wanted to try to be happy as a professor at the law school. So how could I be happy in my job? What would it take to make me happy in my job? And you get thousands of hits with that. I eventually end up on how can I design a job I like, which takes me to a website called Design the Life You Love. And it's a it was a workshop by a woman in New York who's actually a, fa- a designer, a furniture designer. And she's taken the principles of design thinking and applied it to designing your life. And, and so she's got her own way of deconstructing your life checking out what the good parts are. What do you love about it? What can you let go of now? Which is another thing. We don't talk about what we're going to let go of. We talk about what we're going to bring in. And that's not flow. That's not flow. That's a down. uh, (laughs) Right? That's a year now plugging the system up. And then talking about what you're, what's meaningful for you. But here's a piece that, that has never left me. And I use this all the time. And I'm always blown away by how well it works. So let's say you you review your goals for this year. And now I'm going to say, okay, Kim, what's a metaphor for your life right now? And so we can talk about what metaphors are. You know, it's like swimming the Great Lakes. It's like mountain climbing. It's like building a house. It's like, um, you know, uh, giving birth. It's like... I love that. What's the terrain you're swimming in? I think when we know the terrain or the season we're in. And so what comes to me right away, you gave me the book with this title, Loving What Is. That's my okay. for 2020. Yeah. Okay. 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 So 
then your metaphor, you take your metaphor and you deconstruct it. Loving what is, not what isn't, not what was, not will, what will be. And so now you have to deconstruct what it is to love something. And now you pull out all of that. Here's how I know love. Here's how I experience love. Here's how I think about love. And here's what I am making assumptions about love. And here's what it took for me to fall in love with Dylan, to fall in love with my new puppy, to fall in love with my work. So then you go, I actually had to meet Dylan. Let's use, let's, let's use Dylan. I had to meet him. We had to figure out how we work together, how we live together, how we talk together. I had to figure out how to be in the car without killing him when we were going to be late. I had to figure out, could we have puppies together or not? Like you have to try a lot of things to see if you actually are in love with this person. Can I pause? Because what's coming up for me right now is you listed so many external. And I feel like such an important part of this is like, how do I love myself? Okay. As I am? Gross. Whoa. 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 Okay. That's so true. Okay. So, so am I bringing love into my relationship with Dylan? Who am I, if I want to be love, right? You don't get it if you don't give it. Okay. That's awesome. Okay. And then, and then what is, what is, what is right now? I'm where, where am I located? What, what are my good and bad days? What, what are my go-to things for calm and joy? What are my go-to things for outrage? What are my, like, it's, it, there's a whole analysis that goes into loving what is there's it's. And if you, if, if the metaphor was, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I feel like I'm building a house. Well, if you're going to build a house, you got to go find the location. You got to purchase that land you got to get power and water brought in. You've got to figure out sewage. You've got to figure out, are you having a basement or not? What's the foundation of that house? You got to figure out if there's supplies available to, you don't just wake up and have a house. And even if you buy an RTM, you still have to do all of those other things. And so if you're climbing a mountain, have you ever climbed a mountain? Might need some training, might need some gear, might need some teachers, might need to hire a team to go with you, might need to book some holidays off, might need to save up some money. So what I loved about her metaphor is it's not instant. That's what's hitting me from this yeah. as you're reflecting. I'm like, none of this is sexy and glamorous and gets me what I wanted now so I can be different. It is moment to moment moving forward, being present, so setting the plan and then executing it. I have to hear Marilyn, what's your, and I'm putting you on the spot. So if you don't have it, but your metaphor for 2022. Marilyn is my um, avatar. Ooh. Okay. Give me more of that. That's so juicy. I, um, I really was stuck on, am I moving from fear? And trying to trying to create some goals where I'm like, I'm going to do this. Fuck it. I'm going to do this. Screw it. I'm going to do this. And then I thought, um, okay, what's really going on here? And I've been doing so much work. I've been meditating. I've been sort of really, really into literally in in my in my heart and in my head for seven months. And 
and just looking for me, looking for me in there. How the hell can that? It's inside. You know the answer. You know, all this, all the stuff you're told constantly. My elder that tells me, you want to know where you should be, Marilyn? Look down at your feet. Like, so just looking down at my feet, looking down at my feet. And then I just thought, you know, what if Marilyn's my avatar? This is my assignment on earth at this point. This is the avatar I've been given. And um, okay, let's check it out. She's um, she, where is she right now? Like I, you don't, you don't get to pick a different avatar. This is the avatar that you were given. And suddenly it's not like, I, I don't know. If I, I suddenly am going from, let's take her out and see what she can do instead of, Oh, it's not a very good avatar. Couldn't I get one that's like 40 pounds lighter? And, uh, you know, she speaks one language. Fuck. I got the useless avatar. Like I, so you're not I and beating the shit out of this avatar. I'm you're not. actually getting to know the equipment. I'm mean, like, let's work with it. <laughs> this is the avatar I got. So this is, I've, I'm only like, not very far into this, but in the last week I'm having so much fun with it. And, and it's a way to not have everything be so damn personal mm. and, and to be able to step out. I, I pride myself on being uh, uh, emotive and being, being extremely connected to people. Like, to the point that I almost think I feel other people's pain, that I'm that connected to people. It's the death of me. It it can sink me. And so this level of being able to step back is um, new, <laughs> to say the least. And, um, and I think I'm going to find it really beneficial because you don't get that judgy, that that it should go this controlling, it should right. go this way, it should go that way, it should. And so I'm really, I am committing to a year with Marilyn is my avatar and seeing how that goes. That's my goal. Mm. So I want to set some things up around that. Can this avatar run? Can this avatar do nothing? Can this avatar have no title? Can this avatar have a big title? Can this avatar... um hold hold somebody else's truth that they don't know anything about right in front of her and not hold it and examine it and turn it upside down and make it hers and figure out how to fix it and you know like so I'm just it this is kind of new I feel like I've got shaky legs under me with this but I it's I've never approached my 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 new year that way so what, what's what resonating What's resonating with me as you say this is I think so much of this growth journey that we're on or that we tell ourselves we need to be on starts with that fundamental that I need to change. There's something inherently wrong with me. And Tara Brock writes about the trance of unworthiness and how in the West we are like majority of us are hypnotized about it. But I think we're so afraid of our shadows and the parts of ourselves that we scrutinize and don't like that we don't stop to do what you're doing, which is like, wait a second, who, who am I though? Not who am I becoming and who should I be and what parts don't I like? But it's like getting into that witness stage and separating yourself a little bit and making it not as personal and that, okay, it's okay that I have all these other human tendencies that aren't always pretty. 
if that exists, then it also means I probably have all these other things that are cool that I'm not looking at because I'm so focused on my limitations. And so it's like less about who you need to be. And I'm hearing this year is more about, yeah, but like, who am I? And I think that's a really freeing platform to launch and to change. I which is interesting. It, now you've accepted yourself. Now you can change. <laughs> now you can change, which is, which you can't, you can't, you, you know, you can't, I don't know, see your own shadow. You can't, you, you're, what you look at is just a reflection. Like all of the, all of that corny stuff comes into play. But I, um, I just think we need to find that space where we can be there. You know, if you look at if you look at the great philosophers, that's all they're talking about. Socrates saying, you know, I'm the smartest person because I admit I know nothing and I approach everything as knowing nothing. And Eckhart Tolle saying, come to everything with the eyes of a child and the eyes of innocence and understand it for the first time and stop labeling things so that you can just put them into categories and fully appreciate what's in front of you. Marie Sinclair, when he did the Truth and Reconciliation, you know, the most often quoted thing that he has said is everybody's looking for, who am I? Where did I come from? What am I doing here? Who am I and where am I going? And um, and not, you know, bringing the Eckhart Tolle teachings into that, not hanging on to your past so that this is a backpack that you've dragged with you everywhere and you can't let go of. Um because we have no, we don't have models for that. We, we judge each other on all of that stuff all of the time. And we learn from it too. I'm not saying you can't have it. Um, but then, you know, what, it, what would you say to somebody if they said, so how would you do your goal setting for 2022 or January or um, getting married or starting a new job or, uh, being finished school, where would you start? And and who are you is so huge. So so not forgetting who you are. And I think I think there's something to. I hate journaling, and I have rarely reread it. But I think there's something to this reflecting and seeing and seeing how far you've come because we tend to only remember the bad days and we tend to highlight those and. And, you know, um, you learn from the things that crush you and all of the things that people tell you, well, I would, I would love to learn as much from the joy in my life as I do from the fear and the pain in my life. And so I need to invite that in. And I can only invite that in if I'm willing to go, well, I had a fantastic day and it changed this and did that instead of you're never going to believe what happened to me today. Right. So what's coming to me, I want to play with this is it's like, you learn from the hard stuff, you learn from the mistakes, but I feel like the possibility, and you know, I've talked endlessly about this is, but how do I live from the beauty? So I might learn from that, but how do I live from the magic, live from the spontaneity, live from the place of appreciating that last summer, I got to see the sunset that I want to live from there versus, and I'll learn, I'll learn from the shit. I'll reflect on it. But I, for me, and again, I'll always try to speak for myself. For me, I think part of it's less about these monumental goals because I've chased enough of them to realize that it's fleeting and it doesn't actually do it. For me, I think the the longer term game is, yeah, but 
how do I live from that place that if I want to live in truth and reality equally exists to the other part of my life that isn't always as pretty and I'll still keep learning, but I want to live from here. When you set the goals out, they're all about the doing things. I'm going to meditate more. I'm going to play the piano. I'm going to go hiking. I'm going to lose 40 pounds. I'm going to do all those doing things. And I think it's the the being things and the feeling things. Like how do we how do you really flesh out what's actually going to happen for you? Because if you put your day timer in front of you, you set your goals up and say for 2022. I want to, and some people just have one goal. I'm going to make sure I get to go on a cruise this year. And then life goes on. Uh, I'm going to make sure I learn a new language. Well, there's a, you need your metaphor to go, what would it take? I need some books. I need some coaching. I need some podcasts. I need a class. I need, you know, somebody. But I think we should build in the fact that we're herd animals and know that, um, Bouncing this off of, of somebody else gives us some substance to, to see ourselves better from, right? And so, and so ultimately the coaching, we herd animals. We we don't see ourselves as clearly as we see other people. And so what do you build in? And this is the end of the Carrie Ann Rockmore piece is, and do you have a support system to hold you accountable, hold you up, cheer you on and, and be there and be the one that says, that's not what you said you were going to do. Let's talk about how that went sideways or what you're growing from or not growing from. And, um, and interestingly, I was telling my husband about doing this and lots of couples have done this together. And he said, I can't even imagine calling up three of my buddies and saying, let's talk about how we're going to set our goals this year and who our support systems are going to be and why we pick those. And, and so, you know, ungendering this practice also and making it, here's mine, here's my ours as a family. Are we a part of a community? I wonder if somebody listened to this podcast, if they think, oh, my God, I don't even know where to start now, you know, or um, or wow, that's really personal because it really it should be like planning a, a wedding. It shouldn't be about the location and the dress and the guest list. It should be about the rest of your lives together. And <laughs> and um, and how have you set up the moments that you need to check in and go, okay, I'm doing good here. Did you set those check-in moments up? Did you, uh, does, do you have a support system as a couple, as a individuals? Um, what, what are you doing to ensure that that happiness or that joy or that contentment is actually going to seep into the spaces? I, I think the herd animal piece is probably part of it that no, we don't talk about very much. Yeah. So I want to, I want to end with, and we can both answer, but I want to hear you. What do you think the prize of this? Like we said, it's kind of heavy lifting. It's a lot more than just setting goals. What's the prize of this deep, intimate work of who I be? How do I want to create meaning in my day? And then what is the small little thing that I can change that might feel painful in the moment to start walking towards something that I might not see for six months? What's the prize? Well, I think it's joy. I think it's knowing yourself. Gretchen Rubin says, um, 
if you have a task in front of you and it takes less than a minute, do it. <laughs> and and while you're talking, I'm thinking about the little things that I did pick up all of those things. And now when I walk into the kitchen, when I'm back from wherever, not, I don't have to clean up when I get home. And registering that, not just sidelining it, you know, not getting in the car and driving from A to B without seeing all of the scenery between A and B. I think that I think the prize is appreciation of who you are when you are in that moment, loving what is right then, right now, right in front of you. And then looking for that because it's like opening a door, you know, you think you're going to pick, I, I've got to, I've got to pick a goal and I've got it. It's got to be the goal of, I want to be healthy. I want to be healthy this year. I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to work out every day. I'm going to, you know, whatever that list looks like. That's the door I pick. It's not a door. It's a door to the doors. And so you open the door and there's a thousand more doors. And then you have to pick again. I don't feel like working out today. What could I do instead? I'm just going to go for a walk. Is that good enough for me? And checking in and checking in and checking in and and checking all of the doors along the way. And I think if we could get past that, there's the goal in front of us and understand that one door only leads to more doors. I think that would be, that would be the point. That would be, that would be great for me. I love, I love doors though. <laughs> we keep walking through them. Yeah. I, I'm with you on this one. And that when I think about this, when I, when I do this in a way that and again, the journey is forgetting, remembering, forgetting, remembering. But when I do this consistently enough of showing up incrementally and making those small decisions to not lash out at Dylan, to not uh, mindlessly scroll Instagram, because I know that doesn't make me happy. What happens is this intimacy with the moment, with my life, mm-hmm. with the avatar of Kim, I'll steal from you a little bit, where I can actually experience the world around me, the beautiful sunset, the the spontaneity that happens when Dylan and I were dancing in the kitchen on a Tuesday because we met there. Well, that wasn't part of the plan. And so it's like what opens and what I think the prize is when we let go of putting the destination so far and so married to the goal is... Joy. You're right. I think you got that. What what feels like joy and true joy, not pleasure. And I think you savor, you know, when we eat, my husband tastes every morsel. He will say, there's garlic in here and there's this and there's this and there's this. And I'm like, it's gone. I ate it. Like what? It was good. It tasted great. I liked it. it was a bit on the salty side. He'll tell you every ingredient and that's a totally different approach to to life. It's not better. It's different. I've tasted more of life, but he understands savoring and he understands then you get it, then you're in it and not remembering it. You're actually in it, right? Well, thank you so much, Marilyn. I am so glad we had this conversation and went deeper when we talked, like I said, that two weeks ago, I was just like, oh, we got to draw this out. This is so vibrant. So thank you. 